I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. The last couple of weeks on the pod have been pretty dense. They are without a doubt some of my favorite episodes of all time. They're all the results of months or years of thought, but I can see how it could take a little bit of time to get through them. Our stats back that up. Last week's episode has been listened to on average 1.9 times per person, meaning nearly everyone that listened to it once listened to it twice. I even got a few emails with some variation of, I'm still working my way through the episode from three weeks ago, but I had a few questions on X. And that made me feel a little bit like a teacher who designed way too much reading over summer vacation. And I didn't like that feeling. So today is a little bit of a break. Well, it's actually the opposite of a break. It's a way to implement all the stuff we've talked about. But there's no new concepts or stories or startups or puns or anything like that. Entrepreneurship is an ebb and flow between action and synthesizing that action. And today is the synthesizing part. We're creating the boundaries that'll let you work and creating the systems that'll amplify that work. This episode is meant to be one part guide and one part inspiration. When I draft out every episode, I try and give it a job. I want listeners to be able to hire it to solve some sort of important problem for them. Today's episode is the one you hire if you really want to get started, if it's time, if you're frustrated, if you've had an idea for a while but you've never done anything about it, or you don't have an idea and you wanna stop waiting around for one to just land in your lap. The program we lay out today is the entrepreneur's equivalent of putting on your gym clothes after waking up at 6 a.m. It is just way more likely you're going to go for a run if you do that, and it is way more likely you're going to build a great startup if you do this. It's been spurred by the questions we get the most, which are some variations of how do I stay accountable? How do I know if this idea is good? How do I find ideas? How do I keep momentum? What do I do first? And how do I make this a little bit less lonely? My obvious answer to these, of course, is, hey, you know I run a company that does exactly all of those things, right? The one I talk about during the jazz every week. I actually mentioned this to someone who'd emailed about Momentum the other day, and they responded, quote, oh, every time you say smooth jazz, I just hit that skip forward 30 seconds button three times, and it's usually back to you telling stories again. I always just assumed it was like an ad for Squarespace or something. Fair enough. But even if you do hear the ad, of course, Tacklebox isn't right for everyone. And this episode is probably about something you'd want to do first anyway. It's about breaking through those first barriers, how to literally start and how to make starting feel less lonely. So that's today. We're going to set up a structure for you and a few other people who should be entrepreneurs but aren't. We're going to help you suss out ideas and test them and figure out what you do well and what you're interested in and what might have a place in this world. And maybe a few years down the line, you'll look back on this moment and say, man, aren't we glad we followed the advice from the guy in that podcast that made a bunch of restaurant puns while you decide whose yacht you'll take to whose island? Wouldn't that be nice? I want you to please invite me if that happens. It's got to start somewhere, and here is where it starts. After a little smooth jazz, which you better not skip. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job and want to test out the former before you leave the latter, come and work with us. Apply at gettacklebox.com. Over 400 startups have tested and built ideas through our program, and those businesses are now collectively worth over a billion dollars. 
Our program helps you prioritize and execute, and our members and me and the team keep you accountable and give you feedback along the way. Come build with us at GetTackleBox.com. Back to it. We've got a family friend who's a writer. He's written screenplays for movies you've definitely seen and probably loved, and he's done it for a long time. He's built a wonderful career out of telling stories. A few weeks back, a family member asked him what they should do if they want to get into writing movie scripts, too. His answer was fantastic. First, he said, join a writing group. There are a bunch of them, both in person and virtual. It's usually a group of two to three other people who write each week and read each other's writing each week as well. The goal is just to write a lot. If you haven't been a professional writer, you haven't written nearly as much as you need to write to actually finish something like a screenplay. So you've got to build the muscle. Also, reading other people's work is a great way to learn how to write yourself. Critiquing and getting critiqued is the way to find your voice. And obviously, there's the accountability part. Writing is hard and uncomfortable when it's not flowing, but writing professionally is about working through those hard times. The accountability of the group will help you do it. Next, before you watch a movie, read the screenplay for that movie first. Start to understand the relationship of the screenplay to the movie. Read the screenplay for your favorite movie, then watch it after. Take notes. Leaf through the script while you watch. Finally, copy over the screenplays of your favorite movies, literally, word for word. Have the screenplay open and write out or type out the words as you read. Start to understand what it feels like to write something great. See it come out of you. This seems like a bit of a weird one, but it's important. Your voice will be a combination of everything you like, and this helps to accelerate it. But most of all, act like a professional. That is the first switch. It'll let you see if you could actually do this for a profession because most people can't. It's really hard. I love the advice so much. Most people assume creative types work in creative ways when they feel like it, when the mood strikes and fits and starts when they're inspired. But of course, they don't. They work like professionals. They don't wait for the iron to get hot to strike. They keep striking and eventually that makes the iron hot. Listening to this friend talk about writing made me think about how similar the program for startups should be. With my current perspective as someone who's worked with 450 professionals turned entrepreneurs, meaning people who were lawyers, accountants, obstetricians, vets, teachers, construction workers, freelancers, journalists, real estate agents, and a million other things before deciding to start businesses, there are a few places where there are huge skill discrepancies that no career can prepare you for. Similar to how no career can prepare you for the sheer amount of writing you'll have to do if you're going to write screenplays. There are gaps that need to be bridged before you can build something successful. For entrepreneurs, there are three big things that no other job prepares you for. The first, oddly, is writing. Or more succinctly, expressing an idea in a way that's compelling enough to get someone to take action. Writing a one-pager that gets an investor excited, or writing landing page copy that converts a customer in five seconds, or writing an Instagram ad that catches someone's attention is really hard. The core writing skill for entrepreneurs isn't the writing part, but the choosing part. Entrepreneurs always want to say 10 things about their startup, but each thing they say dilutes the rest, and that means messaging that compels no one. Startups click once the entrepreneur can properly choose what's actually important and write five words on why the customer or the investor or the journalist or whoever should care. This takes enormous skill, practice, and discipline. It's still the hardest thing for most entrepreneurs to do. Choosing is hard and it always will be. Practicing it is a good idea. The second is speaking with customers. 
unbiased conversations with customers about exactly how they interact with the problem you're solving. Ethnographic research where you watch them solve that problem and recognize exactly how you can help. This is uncomfortable both logistically and practically. Everything about it is hard and counterintuitive. We've got plenty of content on how to do it right, and at the end of the day, it just takes reps and time, and it's foundational. The customer owns the problem, you own the solution, and this is where both parts of that entrepreneurial truth need to start. Finally, identifying and testing assumptions. This is a bit more complex, but being able to look at an idea and say, this is the thing that matters most. If we're wrong about this, there's no business, and here's how we can figure out if we're right before we move on. These take time and effort and work. They don't, interestingly, take a ton of skill. Just about anyone can do them if you put in the time. I've watched entrepreneurs master these and build successful businesses from every walk of life. If I were starting off, I'd build a startup club with a few people where we did this stuff every week to keep me accountable. This is the stuff that'll differentiate you, so do it a lot. Build a system to make sure you do. If you get good at these three things, it's almost cheating. You'll be unbelievably prepared to start anything you want. So what's a good group look like? Two, three, maybe four other people, but that's starting to feel a little bit big. I wouldn't recommend close friends. It'll be too easy to get off track or skip meetings or talk about something else. Loosely tied friends is where I'd start. Who's the smartest person you've met? Who got the most work done? Who did the most creative work? If you were starting a business, who would you immediately want to work with? that's the first person to call. Reach out to them and maybe send them this pod. If you're listening right now because someone sent this to you, be flattered. They think really highly of you. Now, ask that person to reach out to someone who they feel the same way about. You shouldn't know this person and they won't know you and that's good. Once you get a third, tell them to reach out to someone of this caliber that only they know. Loose connections here work best. I'd start with a three-month project. You'll commit to meet weekly, virtually, or in person. I like Sunday nights. It's rare that people have plans on Sundays. Also, it allows you to cram for a weekend if you haven't done what you were supposed to. On that first Sunday, kick around ideas or spaces or things you're interested in. Then look at the three things you'll need to get good at, expressing ideas, speaking with customers, identifying and testing assumptions, and figure out what you want to present in the following week. Here is an example. I recently met a founder who was convinced she'd found the best way to learn a new language. She'd learned a few languages through this method in the past, and here's how it worked. Let's say she wanted to learn Italian. First, she'd identify the thousand most used Italian words, which is actually pretty easy to do. Then she'd make flashcards of the first 25 and spend two hours powering through them, learning every word. The next day, she'd add the next 25 words. She'd spend two hours learning those and 30 minutes reviewing the previous day's words. She did this every day, for six weeks total, two and a half hours a day until she'd learn all thousand words. Then she'd read Italian children's books and watch Italian TV shows and start to understand how people spoke. Her idea was to productize this path and sell you kits with the flashcards, the books, the shows, and then match you up with an accountability partner who already spoke Italian. Let's say this was an idea for the group. The group might decide which of the three things was currently most important expressing the idea, speaking with customers, or validating assumptions. What needed to be done first? And the key question, what would a great entrepreneur do first? Maybe the group would decide that the hierarchy was speaking with customers first, then validating assumptions, then expressing the idea, since the entrepreneur hadn't really spoken to anyone about it yet. 
We couldn't even have fully formed assumptions since we didn't know the customer. The goal for the first week might be to speak with five people who were actively trying to learn Italian, who she thought would be great customers of her product had it existed. Then give a presentation on what she learned, what was most important to that customer, what outcome they wanted, what was scarce for them, what their constraints were. Then the group would pick what was the most important thing for her to learn next week? What had she validated? What still needed to be tested? The weekly sessions would morph quickly into progress presentations, time box with Q&A. These are great for practicing expressing your idea. If someone isn't actively working on an idea but wants to find one, that's great too. They might spend the week identifying five markets they're interested in and pick a few problems they might be interested in solving. They present that and pick one of the five to focus on for the following week. If someone was in between ideas, they could go deep researching how an interesting business that exists now got started. They could present that along with the tactics that might be transferred to different types of businesses. For example, I recently heard how native deodorant got started. The assumption the founder wanted to test was that people would spend more for natural deodorant, but he didn't want to make it before he was sure that they would. So he went on Etsy, bought a bunch of natural deodorants, tried them all out, and picked the one he liked the best. Then he reached out to the seller and asked if he could white label the deodorant, meaning he would buy 50 unlabeled deodorants and resell them. He was able to test his riskiest assumption. Would people buy natural deodorant from him through direct-to-consumer ads without all the hurdles of figuring out production? Consumer interest was more risky to him than production, so testing this first before figuring out supply chain made sense. This will help you start to build out your vocabulary for tactics and approaches. For these presentations, I'd always have a few prompts. What was learned, how you learned it, how an amazing entrepreneur would have learned it, what an amazing entrepreneur would do next. Get in the mode of figuring out how super talented people work through hard problems. Push each other on the most ambitious or thoughtful or strategic path for each problem you face. If you build a practice around this, identifying problems, figuring out how to express them concisely to see what resonates with people, figuring out assumptions and testing them, speaking with customers and getting used to that, you'll end up with a business that makes sense. Doing this consistently, even when you don't know if you've got an idea worth pursuing just yet, will help you build context for when that idea comes. The key is always reps, practice. Just like writing or playing piano or any other skill, the more you do it, the more you'll get it, the better you'll be. And if you want to have some fun with it, do it. Money can work as an incentive or a motivator. For example, if someone misses a meeting, they might need to pay everybody else 25 bucks. Or maybe they have to run five interviews for them or something else. Also helpful is committing to a budget. Maybe $200 per month that'll be spent on research or customer acquisition or testing out some assumption or a virtual assistant or something else that scales these insights. Create awards, make t-shirts, give yourselves a name. Execute on the things we talk about in the pod each week. Pick books that you'll read and report on them. Work on some ideas as a group, work on others solo. Make this a priority and make it fun. I'm working on a template for all of this if you're interested. Send a note to team at gettacklebox.com if you are. Every week, I try to push on stuff that'll make you a better entrepreneur. Tactics and practices and models. This is the way to implement them, to make sure you're always building and learning and practicing. And of course, if you want to do this with us at Tacklebox, head to gettacklebox.com and apply. Have a great week.